This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. When the structure of a company is put together, employees and execs are put into different categories. It's something that, in some respects, it's a natural occurrence for the human brain. But is it necessarily the right thing to do? Apparently, we see more and more today generational stereotypes. Jessica Kriegel works at Oracle as an organization and talent development consultant. She's authored a book on this territory called Unfairly Labeled. How Your Workplace Can Benefit from Ditching Generational Stereotypes. And Jessica joins us on the show right now. Jessica, welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. So this categorizing of of people uh, is a little bit of of a natural occurrence, whether it's right or wrong, correct? Absolutely. We do it all the time in all aspects of life. It's how we make sense of the world around us. If we didn't have categories and labels, then we'd be overwhelmed. And this is a bit of a historical pattern as well. This is this has happened for quite some time, correct? Uh-huh, yeah. I mean, 2,000 years ago, we've got ancient texts that already are mm-hmm. complaining about the younger generations, that they value chatter in the place of exercise, that they're um, inappropriate by doing things like crossing their legs. And so we've always looked down upon the younger generations because they're doing things differently and we're uncomfortable with that. So how are companies reacting to this to the, this shift? I, I, we, we've seen a lot of how companies are more trying to be more in tune with their employees. Is there still a, a, a rather significant divide there? Well, I mean, I think it's what really who really is at fault is the media, honestly, because what they've done is they've created this hype around generational differences. And so Whereas it's easier to make sense of the world with these labels and these categories, it doesn't necessarily mean that those categories are accurate or that the labels are fair. And so we have all these articles out there. We have blog posts. You know, we have radio shows that talk about what do millennials want? How do we manage millennials? What do millennials want to buy? How can we market to millennials? And in reality, there are 80 million millennials in the world, and it is a very diverse group of people. Some of them are, you know, some millennials are CEOs in Silicon Valley, and some millennials are illegal immigrants in the Midwest. And so how they want to be managed, what they want to buy, those things are not uniform across the entire generation. It's too, just too large of a group. So then how do we tear this down a little bit to, to kind of make it a, a, a little bit more of a, a uniform playing field so that there's an understanding that one person is different from the next and different from the next and and different from the next. Well, I mean, we've done it in the past. So if you think of uh, stereotypes as they pertain to gender, you know, in the past, in the 1950s, women were not allowed to work overtime in the workplace because they were considered the weaker sex and they needed to be protected from the rigors of hard work. And that was a stereotype, obviously. And there were policies in place based on those stereotypes. Then we had this feminist movement, and we had a major campaign of awareness around stereotyping women. And we're still working on it a little bit. But 
I mean, that, that's what we need to do is have some kind of campaign of awareness. You know, we have to start talking about how silly this is. And that's already happening. I mean, people are starting to realize there are more and more articles I've seen these days, people talking about how silly the stereotypes are. Um, but we've got a long way to go before it's acceptable to say, you know, millennials hate they hate Trump, you know, I mean, whatever that means, there there may be a large percentage of millennials that don't want to vote for Trump, but saying millennials hate Trump, right. that's really a stereotype, and that's just putting everyone in the same box. Uh, I play devil's advocate here for a second. Uh, I'm sure there are companies out there that, that when they hear this uh, this theory uh, of not stereotyping, they, they, they take it and they say, well, you know what, from our corporate perspective, we don't have the time or the money to be able to treat everybody differently. How do you respond to that? I haven't really run into that, honestly. I mean, I Great. Speak to companies who react that way. I mean, what I do know is that in writing the book and in writing various, you know, articles on Forbes, for example, the response has been really positive. And I think people are starting to get sick of these stereotypes and they're starting to be tired of the same old, same old, you know? And yeah. I mean, oftentimes what's interesting with these, what the advice that's given about how to deal with millennials is that the advice is pretty relevant for every generation. You know, it's usually just good best practices, good advice that if you do this with a baby boomer, it would be just as valuable. And so that's why a lot of this is really just hype. You know, the word millennial right now is sexy. And so it gets yeah. clicks. And so that's why people do it. So is it fair? Is that label fair then? I don't think so. I mean, I think that the word millennial itself, while by definition only means people born between 1980 and 2000, has so much baggage associated with it that it's, uh, the unspoken connotation of that word, you know, millennial now means tech savvy and it means entitled and it means innovative and mm -hmm. it means all sorts of things that aren't necessarily true. I mean, I know lots of entitled tech-savvy millennials, but, you know, I also know a lot of really tech-averse millennials that are not entitled. And so because there's so much baggage associated with the term, I just think it makes more sense to stop using it altogether, at least for the time being. Well, in your work there at Oracle, have you seen instances of this, or has Oracle done a pretty good job of kind of eliminating these stereotypes? You know, Oracle is a big company. I can't really speak on behalf of the company. Okay. And it really depends on the person you're talking to. This is kind of the perfect example of the nuance, right? right. I could label Oracle as, you know, forward thinking, or I could label them as not, but really it depends on the person that you're talking to within Oracle. And so I can't, I can't really speak to what as a company they, they think, you know, because it's really, it's a group of over 100,000 people. Right. We're talking with Jennifer Kriegel, who is the author of the book Unfairly Labeled, How Your Workplace Can Benefit from Ditching Generational Stereotypes. Your comments are welcome. Give us a call now at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. But it is interesting you bring in the, the media angle of it in that uh, the media obviously is looking to, in this day and age, fill more and more content and, and be able to get stuff out there that reaches more and more consumers, whether they be in that generation or older generation, whatever it might be. It's almost like part of this has just kind of been blended into a great race that is out there by a lot of different media organizations. Yeah, and I think what's really dangerous is that the, the, the media will take a study, an academic study, 
that then has maybe some kind of conclusion or theorized conclusion, and then they'll turn it into a headline that really misleads the public. Uh, and interestingly, John Oliver just did a bit on this on his show on HBO. But, I mean, I've seen articles written about how millennials want to collaborate. The study that they're citing was, first of all, sponsored by Cisco WebEx, which WebEx is a collaboration tool. So obviously they have an interest in coming to the conclusion that millennials like to collaborate. And the actual report, when you look at it, identified 56% of millennials in their study like to collaborate. 56% is basically half if you round it. And the population size was so small that you couldn't then take that conclusion and apply it to 80 million people. It's just bad science. And so doing that kind of hype around studies that are small or that don't really have anything much to say, they're creating conclusions where they don't really exist. And part of the problem is the people doing these studies are a lot of consultants. You know, I mean, they're people who have an interest in having a point of view about this so that they can sell their opinion and their advice. Jessica Kriegel joins us. She's the author of the book, Unfairly Labeled. Your comments are welcome at 844-942-7866. You're listening to Knowledge of Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. Uh, within the book, you you kind of break it down into a couple of different uh, segments, and, and one of which I wanted to talk about was, in some respects, I guess a, a kind of a toolkit for managers, and I guess managers are uh, are a very important uh, piece to this to this whole process. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're all an important piece, but with managers, there's a special kind of responsibility that you have in dealing with your team and in ensuring that the people that you that you work with are engaged, that they're uh, motivated, that they feel valued, that they're learning, that they're growing. And so with managers, it can be particularly dangerous if you buy into these generational stereotypes, because what you believe about the millennial on your team, if you're coming to those conclusions based on what you read online, you're really not getting to know the person in front of you. Yeah. And that lack of understanding can create a lack of trust and a, and a set of expectations that maybe are unfair about that person, and, and it can be really demoralizing for the person that, that's working for you. There's also a section in the book that I, that talks about uh, if there are times when when labels are actually useful. Yeah, so I think in marketing is the place and time where labels can be useful, and I'm going to qualify that in a million different ways. I mean, first of all, Marketing has always been about identifying a demographic, knowing you're not going to be right 100% of the time, but generally trying to understand what that demographic might want, how they might be spoken to in a way that resonates with them, and then selling them and hoping that they buy your stuff. So that's, you know, it's not uncommon to do that with millennials. What do millennials want to buy? The, The difference, though, is that Millennial is such a broad category that that's like saying, you know, what do Americans want to buy? I mean, how do you define that? I mean, it's so broad. And so we need to be a little bit more uh, nuanced about that demographic. Maybe if you're talking about urban affluent millennials on the East Coast, you're getting closer to something that I can identify as, you know, a valuable metric in marketing. But millennial, as I said, you know, I mean, there's so much diversity within that group. The other thing I will add to that to qualify that millennial labels are useful in marketing is 
not at all in the marketing campaign. So I think what's very detrimental is if you're using the label millennial or baby boomer in your campaign to the public. So, for example, Whole Foods recently came out with this new store, and they had less clutter in the stores, more technology, and it was actually less expensive product. Mm -hmm. And they called it the store for the millennial, which it was supposed to be a good thing, that they were catering to this generation, and they were with it, and they knew what they wanted. And they got all this backlash online from baby boomers saying, wait a minute, why is that a store for the millennial? You think we like cluttered, expensive stores? That makes no sense. (laughs) And so by placing people in a box, you're also placing other people not in that box. And so it's just a dangerous game that doesn't necessarily provide any value. Well, I guess in in part, one of the reasons why some of this stuff is being done is, you know, they're they're reporting that that your generation – I won't use that term in the rest of this interview, by the way, uh, that your gener- your generation now has more workers than the other generations. So, you know, they're seen as a majority at this point and marketers, you know, want to reach the majority. They don't a lot of times they don't think about the whole pie. They think about two thirds of the pie. Yeah, but, you know, we became the largest segment of the workforce within the last year or so. And we've been talking about millennials since the 90s. So that it's not really that we're the majority and now we're scary. I mean, what I think is really going on is times are changing. Technology is changing the way we live. And it's somehow being associated with millennials. You know, it's like millennials are changing it. Well, guess what? Like the technology that we're living with was invented not by the millennials you know some of it was but some of it wasn't and so it's really not like these gen xers and these baby boomers are completely clueless i mean i'll give you a perfect example um traditionalists are actually the generation they're also called the silent generation that's older than baby boomers and so they are supposed to be very tech averse totally uninterested in anything to do with technology well oracle's chairman and chief technology officer is a traditionalist, Larry Ellison. And I mean, to to say that he is afraid of technology is completely ludicrous, right? So it really is just made up. It's just totally made up. Then as we move forward in the next, you know, 20 or 30 years, we'll have another generation that will follow your generation. Uh, And I think they're already being referred to as a specific name. Uh, do you think that some of these shifts that, that companies are making where they are kind of ditching generational stereotypes won't pigeonhole that next generation that's coming our way? Oh, I think that it's going to be everyone's tendency to continue to pigeonhole the next generation. I mean, I've seen numerous articles. They're calling them Generation Z because yep. it was X, Y, Z. So they're getting really creative with the names, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, why, why, put, why put a lot of effort in, into it when it's sitting right there? Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I, I think that it's the tendency. And one of the things I was hoping to accomplish with this book is to stop people from using the labels. And that also means millennials. I mean, it's not just millennials that are stereotyped currently. Baby boomers are stereotyped. You know, Gen X is stereotyped. They're yeah. considered cynical. And, and so... We really, we all have to stop, and we we throw it as much as we get it, and we just we need to stop as a whole. It's just how do you get 
all of the, uh, you know, society to stop doing something. It, it's about awareness and having the conversation. 844-942-7866 is the number. We've got a few more minutes with Jessica Kriegel. The book that she has authored is called Unfairly Labeled. We go to St. Louis, Missouri. Carrie is on the line. Carrie, welcome. Thank you for having me. Go ahead. Uh, Jennifer, my question to you was, is there a particular leadership style that you have seen millennials uh, respond to more more fairly uh, or more appropriately? And then is there, do you think that perhaps a lack of leadership or poor leadership has caused some of the miscommunication about the term millennial? Jessica? Yeah, I think that in terms of a, a type of leadership style that resonates with millennials, I think um, leadership, in my opinion, is about authenticity. And so if you are authentic, then your leadership style is going to be the best for you. If we all decide to act like Bill Gates or like Mark Zuckerberg, it's not going to be authentic for us. And they have very different styles and it works for them. So I think authenticity is the key. But I I also don't think that that's for millennial employees. I think that's true for most employees, that that's something that is um, that would resonate. So uh, once again, it's, it's a little bit dangerous to say, Here's what works for millennials. You know, it, you have to just know yourself, know your team, and really situational leadership is the key. Knowing this person, their preferences in this situation, what is it that I need to do as a leader to be most effective for them right now? Carrie, thanks very much for your call. 844-942-7866. Just a couple of minutes left with Jessica Kriegel. We may be able to sneak in another call. Give us a call now, 844-942-7866. We kind of talked a little bit about this already, but it it bears as kind of a lead out uh, the fact that the last part of the book talks about overcoming labels. So people that are are kind of being affected by this, how, how do they overcome these labels right now, especially if they're if they're the employee and maybe their voice isn't as heard as loudly as somebody else. Yeah, I mean, when I talk to millennials, I, I talk about the importance of knowing what the millennial stereotype is and understanding how it is that you are being perceived, like it or not, and then making sure that your behavior either you know, doesn't play into that or combats that if that's not how you want to be perceived, you know, I mean, so if you feel like that personality of the millennial that everyone seems to buy into is not reflective of your personality, then being aware of that, but also being aware that our actions can play into the stereotype. If I say something and I know that my manager thinks I'm entitled and what I said sounded a little entitled, then I know I'm just playing into the stereotype. So being self-aware is the key in knowing how it is that people perceive me and what I'm doing to continue that perception. Jessica, thanks very much for giving us your time. The book is unfairly labeled. Greatly appreciate you coming on today. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.